Hey guys, I'm Adam Rapport, and this is the Bon Appetit Foodcast. And not only that, it's our 200th episode. Wow. That was quick, or maybe it wasn't quick. I don't know. I, I do know we've been around for a long time, uh, mostly because of your support and devoted listenership. So thank you so much. And as always, if you have any thoughts about the podcast, any suggestions for new episodes, any feedback, you can hit us up at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. And as they say on other podcasts, please go ahead and rate us on iTunes. That helps us a lot. Okay, one other quick announcement. Thanks also to all of you who have signed up for our newsletter. Uh, We're going to change the format a smidge going forward. Um, From now on, we will send out a newsletter only when there are recipes and articles talked about in a given episode so that you can get those links directly in your inbox, kind of like a slightly expanded show notes. So it might not be every week, but it will be most weeks, uh, a little bit more succinct than it was prior. We will also keep you updated on any other podcast-related announcements, such as live podcasts, which we plan to do more of in 2019. So if you haven't signed up yet, please go to tinyletter.com slash foodcast enter your email and then click the confirmation link that gets sent to your inbox now to introduce this week's episode the 200th episode of the bon appetit foodcast back by popular demand we have got carla lolly music and emil stonic talking about yes you guessed it rice one note if you are a new listener and haven't heard episode 153 a perfect pot of rice or episode 161 rice 2.0 uh, now would be a good time to go back and listen to those uh, before you listen to this latest installment. All right, without further ado, here is Carla and Emil. It's going to take just tw- at least 20 minutes just to apologize for it taking so long. I know. Everyone, Emma Wartzman has told us that we only have 35 minutes to talk about rice, and you should have seen the look on Carla Music and my face. Not only that, but I had no idea the last time we recorded rice that I was literally going to have to wait until the next year to talk about rice again. I know. I I mean, one of the most, just some of the most positive feedback I've ever received Love was the from feedback. the rice wizards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Shout out to all our rice wizards. Shout out to all our rice wizards. Keep swinging those staves <laughs> and uh, growing those beards. And also, I just do want to apologize on behalf of Bon Appetit and Emma Wartzman in particular for making it take this long. We're so sorry. You know, the people want what they want. And it's not always up to us if we give them what they want. Yeah, it's not like you can order up Rice 3.0 podcast on Amazon Prime and expect it to show up the next day. Right. Nope. It just it doesn't takes exist. Time. It takes it it takes time. <laughs> Literal time. And yep. not that much time. Mm-mm. In fact, I feel that we may be wasting time. You know what I was kind of imagining? I know this is also wasting time, but I was kind of imagining like a giant hourglass yeah. but just has grains of rice in it and it's just been it's been flipped upside down and a rice wizard has just been watching wow. each grain. But maybe before the rice grains got put into the hourglass first, the rice wizard used like a special tool to pulverize it into smaller pieces so it would pass through like broken rice which is a thing which is a thing which i was reading about just earlier because of a topic we'll get to were you reading about it in seductions of rice i was in fact i i have i have two books with me today i have seductions of rice which i just can't i'm seduced and i can't quit it at all and it's filled with so much information Does, does fernando know about this seduction no no 
It stays at that's an office. Sorry, Fernando. It's an office book. And then the other one I brought was Lydia's, um, Lydia Bastianich. You know, she just goes by the first name, like a rock star. Mastering the Art of Italian Cuisine. I love the subtitle on this book. Which it's is? truly like overreaching everything you need to know to be a great Italian cook. That wow. is a big promise. That's a big <laughs> promise. But you know, I mean, probably you're writing a book. You know, what's what's the... What's what's this? You know, you got to have something. It's... I mean, this book has one of those special ribbons in it. You mm. know, mm-hmm. that's how you know it's for it's serious. Yeah, that's the real have a, real. A ribbon instead of post-it notes to but mark your page. You would have walked away from that book if it was like quite a few of the things you'll need to know <laughs> in order to be a great. Well, maybe not great, but you know, good at first, and then if you practice a lot, great Italian cook. Right. Like I think it's good enough recipes. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. You can I make didn't it? puke or get sick. A book of recipes. All right, Carla, let's get rice down to business. <laughs> Stop ricing around. It's time to talk. It's not a, never mind. <laughs> I was going to say it's not a marathon. It's a sprint with rice. <laughs> it's race. A, yeah, it's, it's a rice. It, it is a rice of, source, of sorts. Be it a marathon or a sprint, it is a rice. The amazing rice. So I think what we realized talking about rice in the past was that rice is a fantastic ingredient. Mm -hmm. One of our favorites. Oh, yeah. Like when it comes to a whole food, a whole grain, Mm -hmm. just an ingredient that is minimally processed out of the ground, Mm -hmm. rice is one of the greats. One of the greats. And I think we've already established that if we had to choose between rice and pasta, you know, forsaking our ancestry and everything else. Whose ancestry? My own, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rice wins. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. I learned something interesting, though, about my ancestors in some of the preparation for this conversation. Did you do 23andMe just for this <laughs> rice podcast? <laughs> yes. No, I did 23andMe on rice. Oh. And it turns out that 5%, did you know that 5% of the world's production of rice happens in Italy? <laughs> for some reason, I thought you were going to say, in space? <laughs> Um, in Italy, five whole percent. Italy is responsible for five percent of the world's rice production. Well, how long has that been the case? Uh, centuries and centuries. They've wow. been growing rice in the Po Valley and oh. all over the place. Like, have you ever had rice from the Po Valley? I probably have because that's where the cannaroli rice comes from. Ah, and cannaroli rice being the secret to a great risotto. So, okay, so we're but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes. So, rice, one of the great foods Mm -hmm. just as we've said a bowl of rice with butter one of the best (laughs) one One of the best best foods you could have yes but then we realized that rice is actually so much bigger than itself in a way right rice isn't just the kind of thing that's on the side while you're eating other things it's not just this kind of starchy vehicle it's like there are all these times when rice is the star spotlight on rice it's the center of the plate maybe it's the only thing on the plate, but it has so much more to offer. Rice as a the foundation of a a great recipe for a dish. <laughs> the and mortar, not just like, the, found, the mortar, if you will. That's right. Not just rice being like I am great. I'm rice. I'm great. Right. Rice is going places. Rice, rice is. is go- <laughs> it's transformed. Whether it's sprinting or trotting, <laughs> it's going places. 
so it is really true. So some of the dishes, and the, as soon as we sort of, you know, that's the thing about rice. It, it can actually eclipse itself, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it becomes a superstar. Mm-hmm. And so some of those dishes, right away, risotto, we already were sort of, you know, dancing around uh, that with <laughs> the uh, whole Po Valley thing. Mm-hmm. But risotto is one of those, like, great dishes. Yeah. Risotto is incredible. So what is, what Carla, t- talk to me about risotto. What is risotto? So this is why, so this is why the, the rice has been around in Italy. That kind of makes sense. And then you're like, right, well, they had all the rice. So they figured out something really great to do with it. Mm-hmm. You can count on Italians for that. So uh, not to backtrack <laughs> to the Po Valley, but what part of Italy, where where is rice eaten in Italy? Right, so because it's like grown they're... all over okay. and it's eaten all over. So okay. you might, you'll eat rice, you'll eat, you know, if you're in Sicily, you'll have a seafood risotto. Mm-hmm. If you're in the southern part of Italy, also seafood in the Veneto, they do the mushrooms and ragu. So it kind of depends where you are, but your your the method for the risotto is sort of one of those classic things. And mm-hmm. then just depending on where you are, what region of Italy, it could go like very heavy, very meaty. Or if you're in the leaner regions, it might be herbs or you know. So what I want to know, thinking about risotto, is so what to you is the perfect risotto texture? You know, because I feel like sometimes you'll get risotto at like a certain kind of restaurant, and it's like literally, it seems like they mounded it into like a ramekin and put it on your plate, and it's just this like totally. solid thing. Yeah, sometimes sh- it's loosey goosey. Like, what's the... It should never stand still, basically. So I read a couple of really good descriptions. One um, book, this great book, Authentico. Do you know this book? By Rolando Baramendi. It came out last year. It's a really solid, really beautiful picture. a lot of great information. The word that he uses is alonda, O-N-D-A, which means wavy. So, like, if you pour it, if you plate it into your, you know, you plate the risotto and move the plate a little bit or the shallow bowl or whatever it is, that the risotto will actually sort of undulate. Gotcha. gotcha. That's how I interpreted okay. that phrase. Okay. And then Lydia had like a sweet Lydia. very sweet, sweet Lydia. She refers to it as a creamy suspension. Oh, I like that. I like that. Both So wavy, creamy suspension, something that's got a little bit of, it's got a l- fluidity. Exactly. But it's not watery. There's motion in the ocean. There's motion (laughs) in the ocean. But also, I feel like presumably with that, with the texture you're describing, you could put a spoon into it and you would make some kind of a, almost like some kind of indentation, but not like you take a spoonful out and it's just like I think you take a spoonful out and it fills back in 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 a very like wavy way you know super wavy way um so the rice is so this was the other thing i learned but the rice that is grown in italy is the japonica variety which is the japanese rice which totally made sense to me because when i worked in restaurants and we made risotto we used sushi rice because they're short grain they're starchy and then it seems like the the variations are kind of like the exact shape of the mm-hmm. kernel of rice mm-hmm. or the grain of rice, I guess. How how much starch they have, how some are little, they're all short grain, but some are like very short and round or mm-hmm. longer and then the amount of starch that's held within. But I think you can make a great risotto from cannaroli or arborio or... So what, ma- I mean, what makes or supposedly makes carnaroli 
Car- did I say it right? Cannaroli. Cannaroli. No, Carnaroli. Carnaroli. You're faking me out. Sorry. Cannaroli, gotta... Carnaroli. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not rolling our R's. <laughs> Carnaroli rice. What makes it the best? Or Arborio. Right. Uh, Arborio, I feel like you see a lot more often. You do. I think the Carnaroli, when you get it, it's more expensive. Mm-hmm. That was referred to in that Autentico book as the king of of rices for risotto. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. For you know risotto, what that means. okay, okay. For okay. risotto, yeah. yeah, and that it just um, was sort of the longest of the short grains, the thickest, and then has very special concentrated starch, so gotcha. that it can be very creamy without having to be overcooked. So you still have the al dente grains. So, so it's gonna just... gi- it's gonna give up its starch without falling apart exactly. fully the way it would for like congee, which we'll talk about later. Exactly. So the method in making risotto, whether you're gonna finish it with you know sauteed mushrooms or two handfuls of chopped herbs or just some saffron threads or lemon and parm, is kind of all starts the same, right? So you start with olive oil, and you saute aromatics, usually finely diced onion, um, until that's like completely translucent, not brown, and that's the flavor base. It's like your sofrito for the risotto. And then the key step is that you add the rice, the risotto rice, Mm -hmm. and cook it until it kind of goes clear. So it becomes kind of translucent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, um, the way that I was taught when I worked at a restaurant was that when you stir it, it should kind of sound like glass uh-huh. in the um, bottom like of the a pan. Almost like a rattling. Like marbles, if you were stirring marbles around mm-hmm. and they were kind of making, but like a... So you've kind of dry, you've dried the situation out a little bit and then you've kind of coated each individual grain of rice with some of that fat. Exactly. And so they're kind of like, instead of being like a sticky sort of situation, they're kind of clanking around. Yeah. And they make a little, yeah, a little clattering kind of glass sound. So sorry to to jump back for a second, but is do you rice, <laughs> do you rice rinse for risotto? No, no rice rinsing. No rice rinsing. No, it's just going, it's unlike, you know, biryani or, um, even in some of the rice pudding recipes I looked at, or a lot of times when you're going to rinse the rice. Right. Because the rice has a little bit of residual starch on the outside just from processing, yeah. packaging, transportation. But you which want if that. You want, if you want fluffy rice, you want to get rid of that by rinsing and pouring out and rinsing and pouring out and doing that again until you can't stand it anymore. <laughs> in this iteration, you want that starch. It's yeah, you're asset. like, what we're after here is the starch, so let's just keep it just keep it in the, the party. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and then, so you're encapsulating it with the hot oil, exactly like you said, and it's, it's sort of making this little coating on the outside that prevents it from getting too starchy or falling apart too soon. So it's like coating it in the oil also like is warming. You're also warming up the rice, the grain of rice itself so that the center is like a little bit closer to what's happening on the outside. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then from that point, you start in with the hot stock. Hot stock. Hot stock. Simmering stock, ladlefuls, ladlefuls. So you've got like a little, you've got your risotto pot where you've got your clanking broken glass rice that's now fully translucent and then you have simmering a pot of simmering stock right next to it yes and a ladle at the ready and a spoon Mm -hmm. gotta have a spoon gotta have a spoon so you have to stir and stir and stir so this the adding of the stock all risotto recipes are going to tell you the same thing you're adding the stock gradually you're stirring the whole time 
And as you do that, the rice is releasing starches. So there's something about like the gradual cooking time. You're giving the rice enough time to actually cook, but at the same time, you're agitating it constantly. So it keeps releasing starch into the stock. So you're adding the stock and and it's being absorbed. And then like the pan starts to look a little bit dry and then you hit it with a little more stock. It sounds like you've made risotto. Mm. (laughs) Me? (laughs) But yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing people don't, I mean, I'm sure people do talk about this, but it's such a simple thing and it's sort of this like magical process that's happening, but you may not use crappy stock. Oh God. You're better off using water. Truly. And some of the recipes I looked at actually were just with water. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Because if you think about it, like, we would eat rice cooked in water, no problem. Sure. Happily. I bet risotto made with water, like, just seasoned water would be really delicious. Isn't that interesting? I'd have never done it that way. But if you had a choice between, like, box stock and water... Well, also, if you're trying to make it, because I feel like, you know, there are, there's a way of thinking about risotto where it's like, it is the dish. You know what I mean? Right. It is, and I know we're talking about rice in the spotlight, rice in the center of your plate, but there's also so much of risotto that is kind of, is a starchy base a la polenta almost for something like a asabuco right. or something meaty and flavorful on its own, in which case you kind of maybe just want to taste the rice and you don't need to keep, you know, it doesn't need to taste like stock totally. and saffron and tons of other aromatics. It's totally. just kind of doing its own thing. Yeah, it's kind of weird that way. Like you could eat risotto by itself and it would be 100% a dish, but then it's this like great pairing for other. I mean, it's also kind of how we think about a whole, the whole like secundi portion of Mm -hmm. like an Italian menu. You know, it's like Americans are like, pasta is dinner. Not like, you know, you eat a little bit of pasta or a little bit of risotto or a little bit of polenta and then, you know, and then have your meats. Right, 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 right. And so. The stirring, the gradual adding, and then the tasting so that you're going for, you can always adjust the texture of how wavy or undulating your finished thing is by adding a little bit more stock. But you can't, you can't get around the fact that you have to cook the risotto until it's al dente. Yep. Right. So, so you always end up having a little bit more stock. You should, yeah, you want at least like six or eight cups and it's, and people think that making risotto is so hard and it's really it's only because it's active time of like standing and stirring. I think people really equate difficulty and how long they have to engage with their stove. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's not hard. It's not harder than chopping a dozen ingredients for a salad. Right. You know I what I mean? I would say chopping a dozen ingredients way more annoying than like the only thing you have to cut up is like half an onion. Yep. And then that stirring and stock additioning. That's like some really solid zone out meditative time. Oh, yeah. That's podcast time. That is big time podcast I, time. I, I really hope that somebody is listening to this. <laughs> they're like, they're like, you know, I'm going to make risotto, but I don't want to stay. I'm going to stand there. You know, I'll put on a podcast. I'll oh. put on the Bon Appetit Foodcast. Oh, Rice 3.0. I'll what listen to that. Dink. And we're talking to you right now. While you make risotto. Stirring. Don't, stirring. Don't stop. Don't be tempted to add just too much liquid because you're feeling lazy to keep well, on so doing then, it. Okay, so this brought up a whole other thing. What, and I really want to know, what are your feelings about oven risotto? Excuse me? <laughs> Risottos that build themselves as like a no-stir baked risotto. 
you know how I'm when I'm uh, this is like a kind of a non-answer to that is like I'm sure that somebody has developed a really good recipe for risotto in the oven and I'm sure it comes out and it's nice and wavy I'm sure like you can really nail the time and like the amount of liquid so you have kind of like perfect you know that perfect kind of you know a grain of rice that has like a little bit of bite but it's still suspended in this kind of wavy whatever I just want I want to know why right I'm like how often are you eating risotto that you know it's like if you're like oh my god all I eat is risotto all my family eats is risotto they love risotto I have to make it every day how can I not be stuck by the stove all day long making the risotto you know then maybe that shortcut is like a good one but to me to me for certain things like risotto that have kind of this like mythology around how it's meant to be done which I think is you know not exclusive to Italian cooking but I feel like we think of it kind of iconically as you know, I want to do the thing. Right. I want to be a part of that. Right. I want to be a part of that story. That's I don't want the, I don't, like, I don't need somebody to like time. I don't need somebody to like science me out of <laughs> You know what I mean? That having that experience. It, yeah. yeah that's it's fine. like roasting a chicken with a blow dryer. Sure. You can. <laughs> you, <laughs> you could. You can if you <laughs> Maybe you are um, in theater right. and you're in the dressing room getting your makeup done yeah. for hours. You have no time to cook, so sure. you cook it with a hairdryer. Right. Or you Does live that? in a Wait, trailer. Did you actually? <laughs> it's like a real thing. It's a real thing? The hairdryer? Someone did attempt it. Do <laughs> not to get too, but do they just? Is it like chick? Is it like beer can chicken where you just stick the dryer guy into mm, the cavity and flip no, it upright? Definitely no? not. And no. then you clip it's a more of an clip a curling iron and a straightening iron onto both of the wings, and then it just sits there. Yep, yeah. that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. I feel the same way. Yeah, it's like not. It's a shortcut. I can't imagine that it gives you as good as a result. So if you want to really make the thing. Also, what's 20 minutes? 25 minutes of stirring? That's like a show. They only gave us 35 minutes for this. <laughs> for this whole thing. I know. So that's risotto and creamy suspension. Fantastic. Delicious. Finish it with whatever you want. Even leftovers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then a byproduct. We have to mention Arancini. Ooh, yeah. Let's the talk about The wonderful Arancini. stuffed and fried rice balls. Stuffed and fried. And we have touched on rice balls. Rice balls and rice triangles. Did we? Yeah, we did. Mm. Oh, I guess we did. (laughs) It was 2018. Maybe you don't remember. Oh, my God. That year. What a blur. But um, I had a lot of arancini when I was in Sicily this summer, Mm -hmm. which they're eating a lot of risotto. So when you've got leftover risotto, you make arancini, which are rice balls. Take your cold risotto, put it into a shape of a ball. Mm-hmm. Dredge which, it, which if, if it's gone at this point from wavy and kind of loose to chilled and pretty firm, it's going to thicken up even as it sits. It's like right. polenta in that way. Even you know, as it cools off, it gets thicker, and you know, then yeah, you put it in the fridge. And I feel like that's worth mentioning, thinking about the waviness, because like polenta, you know, you're stirring, you're stirring, you're stirring, you're like so in this, and it's. Everything's going to be looser. Yes. Like that is going to be looser when it's hotter, when it's still on the stove. Totally. But from the time that it like comes off the stove, even if that's like five minutes and then gets spooned onto plates, it's going to be thicker. Yeah. So kind of I like to err on the side of 
too loose. Even looser. Yeah. And also maybe a tiniest bit undercooked. So it's kind of like when you finish cooking your pasta and the pasta cooking liquid. Like, there's going to be carryover cooking in those few minutes. I always finish my risotto with like a nice fat dollop of butter. Meow. You could stir in some olive oil. Mm. But also, it's weird, like parm. If you add parm at the end, it'll loosen it as the cheese melts. But then that will also make Seize it up. tighten up. <laughs> So then, yeah, if you have cold risotto, if if by the very unlikely scenario that you have rice risotto left over, then you dredge it, little egg, little breadcrumb. So you formed a little ball. Form you, a little ball. Do you ever stuff? Cause you can, yeah. So you'll take like a cube of mozzarella or like a piece of sausage or something and stick it in the middle totally. of your little ball and then cover it up. Exactly. And so we you... have a great recipe, B.A.'s Best Arancini. Oh, yeah. I saw some Arancini That we're stuffed with a ago. little cube of mozzarella. Sometimes in Sicily, that would just be like bechamel would be in the middle. <laughs> I know. It was crazy. So I guess when bechamel is cold, too, you can kind of like spoon it and put it in there. Mm. And then you smush the rice around it and make it a ball again. Rice gusher. Exactly. Uh-huh. Talk about the creamy suspension. Hello. <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. Larger than life. Arancini. So here's a question that I have because I know that we also have a rice. Uh, a rice. Wow. I this is a. I don't know what it is. As soon as I get <laughs> into this podcast studio with you to do these rice podcasts, the word rice is just. It's just replaces random words. It feels rice. Right. Hi, my rice is a meal. Right. And this is like the uprising. Right. Yes. Join me in the uprising. How are you rising today? (laughs) The rice systems. We did almost have to have a protest. Remember that day when I was like, I'm going to stage an uprising? Because we couldn't get a slot. That's that's every day (laughs) about one thing or another. Are you talking about me? No, no. Just generally at the magazine. Somebody's like, you know what? Uprising. This cannot three stand. O'clock. Yeah, it's normally like three o'clock when you're like, I have so much work to do. I'd rather foment revolution than turn in my copy. That is correct. Yeah. That is rice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> you're rice again. Um, so we we were talking yesterday about Reese BC. Correct. So talk to me about that and how that is different. Well, Reese BC was Isabella. one of those, again, classic Italian dishes that has this like lore around it as like a springtime celebration, rice and peas. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like every lots of cuisines do this, this, something about the combination of rice and peas. What is it with rice what and What is peas? it? But I think it, what it is is saying Reese BC is like very enjoyable. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, Reese BC, it's like one of those things. And then... We did one or we were going to do one and I started looking into it and I was like, oh, it's risotto that you finish with green peas. Mm, Period. Okay. End of story. See, I always thought of it as being a little looser than a regular risotto. Maybe it's but just maybe a super undulating risotto. Super, maybe more soupy. So wavy. I think I thought it was soup, more like soup too. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. really just risotto mm. with peas. Okay. Well. Would, just... would eat. Yeah. So speaking of kind of soup, so we're going from, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about fluffy rice. Yes. So now we're getting to risotto, wavy rice, RCBC, not a soup, but maybe sometimes a little bit looser. It's saucy. Saucier. So then let's, let's keep going farther from- More liquid. Farther from whole grain to (laughs) more liquid. Let's talk about examples of- Soupier. Well, one of my favorite. So, same amount of rice, more amount of liquid. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Right. Um, Well, I was going to say one thing that I really like before we talk about, you know, kanji or juk or some of the kind of more like purely rice based soup porridgey sorts of things is that I love adding 
just a like a handful of rice mm. to a soup or a yes. stew or something like that because it what you know we've been talking about all the starch that right. rice can kind of give and like all that sometimes if i have a soup that's like looking a little thin maybe yeah. i wasn't paying a, a ton of attention to it and it's just kind of like got some broth and i got some vegetables and it's just like it's feeling a little watery yeah i love just throwing in a handful of rice and that could be you know that could be basmati rice that could be sushi rice that could be carnoli <laughs> rice that could be you know brown rice the cooking time is going to vary but just cooking it for another 20 minutes half an hour just yeah. until it's released some of that starch because that will actually make all of that liquid a little bit richer and totally. starchier give it body I like doing that a lot in a tomato soup. Ooh. And then if you you can blend it or not blend it, but like tomato soup with rice, I don't know what that is about, but like that seems so comforting and delicious. And then chicken soup with rice. Totally. Instead of noodles, Mm -hmm. which I probably Mm -hmm. had more of that kind of. Chicken soup with rice. I think so. Well, I will say I prefer a chicken soup with rice to a chicken noodle soup if for no other reason than the fact that the leftovers I think are better. Totally. Because as soon as you have pasta and you've, written about this before I think soon if you're if you're making like a pasta fajol or or like a minestrone or something like that if you got the pasta in there yeah you put that in the fridge yeah. and the next day it's like it just what absorbs, was a soup right. is now a solid mass and it's like how did those pastas triple in size yeah, totally. you know and get all like weird and kind of blubbery starts off as an elbow little elbow <laughs> all of a sudden it's a whole arm cast <laughs> But yeah, over a slightly overcooked rice is n- not going to bother me nearly as much. No, totally. Also, rehab on the word porridge, which got a has a negative, but it's a I know, wonderful have, thing. I know, but people still have been. T- I mean, uh, you know, there was a the whole porridge thing, which I right, feel like there is was kind of, a whole porridge thing. Which and we're talking about was, like a trend of porridge, right? Which and I, and I feel like that porridge moment was also driven a lot by the kind of like new Scandinavian yeah. situation. Which like didn't actually make anything seem brighter or sunnier. Just made everything feel like, well, it's not so bad in this warm hut. Well, it's got pumpernickel in it now. And my (laughs) (laughs) my pumpernickel porridge. I put. I found a seagull egg. I'll crack it upon it. Shout out to Scandinavia. Shout out to Scandinavia. (laughs) Seagull egg. Sup, Renee. But, you know, that's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Porridge. That whole thing. It was. It was really bad. It was really bad. So porridge. (laughs) And it wasn't that fun. Let's forget about porridge. No, but but porridge and gruel. Like, I feel like somebody... (laughs) Bring the G word into the mix. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think people think like, oh, porridge and gruel are synonymous. They're not. Gruel is... Polenta is a porridge. (laughs) Correct. Is it? I mean, uh, what's not porridgey about it? I don't know. How do you define porridge? Uh, I brought a lot of books with me. I did not bring the porridge book. (laughs) Gruel and more. I thought porridge, well, I guess polenta's a grain. I was going to say, I feel like porridge has to have a grain, but you can make porridge out of oats, so I can't even make porridge out of- Cream of wheat's a porridge, is it not? Totally. So then polenta is porridge. It's right behind it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hmm, interesting. Well, the, although I feel like there so is a distinction. So then what is gruel? Then what's gruel? <laughs> gruel, 
Gruel is not within our purview. <laughs> there's no there's no new gruel. There's no like <laughs> rehabbing gruel. I know, there's wouldn't it be no... funny with this whole like, you know, short ribs were like the lowly butcher cup the cut and then they became like highfalutin and then the you know, the whole porridge craze of twenty sixteen right. right. and oxtails and like taking the humble thing and like I wanna see the chef who like brings back <laughs> gruel. <laughs> Asabuco with uh, gruel. With it's the... nose to tail gruel. <laughs> yeah. It's actually our dishwater that has, we've emulsified it slightly with a little bit of last season's and, broken rice. And a little bit of compost. <laughs> <laughs> Just for that umami funk. Lightly fermented kitchen scraps. <laughs> Sauerkraut gruel. Grease trap seasoning. Grease trap bouillon. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, back. gruel. Anyway, gruel. Forget gruel, about gruel. It's always going to have a negative. Yeah. I don't Porridge. feel like you can put a spin on it. Porridge, on the other hand. At least makes me think of grandma. Totally. And like know? a country house. Mm-hmm. Like a little hut hmm. with little mushroom caps and gnomes. <laughs> <laughs> I think in the cottage, in the in the country home with the porridge, there are curtains in the windows. Oh, cute. Maybe with the heart cutouts. Somebody sewed them one summer. <laughs> so we were going to talk about kanji, I okay, think. Okay, okay, right. But, so, but so we're going... segue to kanji is through the path of porridge. The path of porridge. <laughs> uh, one, of, one of the many uh, challenges faced by the rice wizard. <laughs> the passage of porridge. The path. The path. Oh, sorry. If you want to get to Kanji Village, you have to go through the path of porridge. Love Kanji Village. Great place. Great restaurant in Lower Manhattan. Wonderful. Wonderful. They specialize in kanji, which is rice porridge. Which, like, if you're thinking about, so just you know, loosely speaking, there are a lot of a lot of cultures in which rice porridges are consumed with much glee, including my own personal <laughs> culture. It's funny that you said loosely. Loosely. Because yes, it because is. It, it's Because it's, it's kind of what would happen if you took, I mean, the procedure is so different from like a risotto. You're not toasting the grain or, you know, kind of doing that kind of uh, yeah, toasty guy. Yeah, toasting, but the, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And instead you're normally cooking rice in a flavorful stock of some sort, often like a chicken stock or a fish stock. Or it could also just be water. Or just be water. And then is being cooked until those grains go from being kind of frayed around the edges to being kind of fully tender to being completely blown up. Right. And then which will happen if you if you quote unquote overcook a risotto. Right. Right. But instead that's what we want here. So we want those grains to explode and almost just turn into this kind of thickened soup. It's almost creamy. That's how I like to eat kanji too where the grains are completely broken apart and where the starches have released so that the... The liquid itself is thick, but you can kind of stop it anywhere on the spectrum. It's just that you're not trying to find the ratio between, like, the perfect amount of liquid to the perfect amount of rice, like, in a pilaf, where all of that is steamed off and you just have this, like, perfect individuated grains or even risotto where they come together and they make this, like, magic sauce. It's, like, way... Way more liquid. Right. But I still think you need to, you have to have a good ratio to start. Because otherwise, Mm. and I often, I've made the mistake before of trying to, it actually takes quite, like you're saying, a lot of liquid to get that rice to where it's going to like absorb, you know, the grains are going to absorb the starch, explode, 
become that kind of like loose, spoonable soup, yeah. you know, almost like a tomato soup texture, slightly thicker. Um, I've often started with too much rice. Ah, and I've and done the same thing. I do the same thing with polenta. Do you all have the time. a ratio or you just kind of eyeball I it? I just have kind of, I normally have kind of eyeballed it. I'd like to, I, that's a, a goal for the winter, take a little a little deeper dive into congee and, and rice porridge. And do you have favorite toppers? Do you just like it as it is? Oh, I mean, if I'm, if I'm sick. Yeah. Just cooking, like, you know, I'll go splurge on the, like, expensive, you know, like, you can get, like, brodo or something like that, like the really, really fancy good broth. broth, and then heat that up, and then, you know, throw in a handful of rice and cook that until it's kind of thickened, and then it's like, you know, just drinking broth is kind of, sorry, Marco Canora, a little depressing feeling sure. to me, or sure. a little, um, you know. Austere. Yeah, a little gruelly. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, broth is just... <laughs> It's, it's a little like, Scandinavian, yeah. let's be real. <laughs> and then, because um, it just gives it a little bit of body, and that's like I, eating that on its own with like a drizzle of sesame oil mm. or, you know, just a sprinkling of seeds or a little bit of cilantro or something mm-hmm. like that. Is Some scallion, uh, this is really delicious. Really nice. Or sometimes like a little drizzle of soy sauce too. Yeah. If, you leave, if you have left the kanji like kind of austere. Which I like sometimes, but also it's a really great platform for leftovers. If you have some, you know, roasted vegetables or some, you know, shredded rotisserie chicken or mm. a little bit of leftover fish, it's a good way to turn that into kind of a delicious, satisfying, soothing, spoonable meal. It's a great savory breakfast. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Get mm-hmm. a jammy egg in the mix. Ooh. You know, a little frizzled, a little frizzled leek, a little chili crisp. Aye, aye, aye. It would be great with some chili crisp. Mm-hmm. It is like one of the great comfort foods. Mm-hmm. Rice in general, but kanji especially is like so restorative. Well, I do think there's something about, I know we keep just coming back to porridge, but I feel like there's something about it that also like feels really elementally human. You know, it's like we eat all kinds of porridgeified right. foods, you know, from the time we're like little kids, like oatmeal, you know, all of those things are really, you're not doing a ton of chewing, but it still has some texture. You know, that's, you know, you eat it when you're an old person. You don't have any more teeth. I was going to say, the beginning of the life, the end of the life. Full circle. And all the steps in between. Mm -hmm. Rice is there for you. We did get a wave from Emma, which I think was her waving to say that we would be back to record really soon. Oh, I thought the wave, (laughs) I always thought the wave was, whatever you do, don't stop talking about rice. Yeah, I if thought. you have any other tangents that you want to go on, that's right. Now is a good time to do it because I, we have an hour and thirty-five minutes. That's right, and we did get the wave, which was to introduce last topic. Oh, perhaps. Well, we skipped over a lot of stuff. This is what keeps happening with the rice. You know, we, this is the whole point of rice. We aim. This is why high. I have six different rice books, and that's not even scratching the surface of your rice book collection. Of rice books in the world. Oh, I mean, you could never run out of information to share about rice. Mm-mm. We've been, we're, we've done nothing. We've done nothing. This is nothing. Nothing. What I have one question. What is and it? And then we can keep talking about it <laughs> after I ask it. Rice pudding, yes or no? I love rice pudding. It's really interesting. It is one of my favorite desserts. Wow, mm-hmm. that is really interesting. Yeah. It is one of the great maligned foods. I think so. Wait, well, what's your take on rice pudding? I can get into it but i don't want other stuff in there oh interesting like in general i don't i think rice pudding is very divisive i think one of the things that makes it doubly divisive is the idea that there was there's a good chance you're going to get a raisin Mm -hmm. 
I don't hate raisin. And you're okay with that? Yeah, I like a raisin. I don't want a raisin in my rice pudding, but I do see the value in rice pudding. So you don't want anything in your rice pudding? I don't mind flavors uh-huh. and like sweetener. Uh-huh. And then there's different ways where like you can part cook it and then cook it in milk after that. There's some where you like reduce the milk and then use the milk reduction to cook it. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to get to rice pudding. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't want a lot of stuff. In, I don't want anything in there. How do you do it? I mean, I've done it a lot of different ways. I had a friend who would make a rice pudding. That it was a very elaborate. It was like a family recipe. And for some reason, I like I had it dozens of times, but never really saw how it was made exactly. But I know that there was I, I know that there was a lot of constant stirring mm-hmm. going on, kind of like a la a risotto sort of situation. And then there was also, I think, egg and mm. incorporated into it to thicken at the at, end. Yes. Which was very appealing to me. But I've also, I remember for a long time when I used to cook at a summer camp, there was, I would make this, it's a variation, it was like a Mark Bittman how to cook everything, super easy rice pudding, where it was just, you would take like a half hotel pan and you would put milk in it, you'd put a certain amount of rice in it, you'd put some spices sometimes, i put a little star anise and a little mm-hmm. cinnamon stick and sugar and butter. And then you would just put it in the oven, and oh, wow. it would just happen. Any par cooking of the rice at all? Just no. raw rice. Raw, raw rice. And bake it. And bake it. Wow. So, so it's it like the definitely... baked risotto of. Yeah. So but... you know, for would I do that if I was just making you know rice pudding for a dinner party? Probably not. I'd probably go with a stirry stirry because yeah. I like to stand by the stove. Sure. But for you know 120 people, way easier. Amazing. So pop them in. You know, you set them up. Pop them in. I think you have to stir a lot when you're making it because of the scorching, especially if there's dairy, a lot of dairy in Mm -hmm. the thing and and any sugar, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then you're going to get a scorched situation. I do like it though. And I also like tapioca pudding and they really remind me of each other. But I don't want, like, we have one on the website, all due respect, Rick Martinez developed this recipe. And it's just a different direction, but it's got dried fruit in Mm. it and it's got an egg. Mm -hmm. I don't think you need it. I like, you know, I think because it's so, because it's not like a congee or something that's going to get a little topper, you know. Right. Where you, you're going to have a little bit of textural intrigue, you know, maybe you get a little piece of peanut or something. But can you add that at the end? You could. Like a, I mean, a crushed pistachio. I, I think that's great. I think a crushed pistachio on top is nice. I think making some kind of little like fruit compote sort of thing, if even if you're just like, you know, warming up blueberries and a little sugar. Sure. And kind of drizzling that on top, especially if it's a kind of scoopable right. rice pudding. You know, they'll put a scoop in a bowl and then drizzling it with something delicious. I think that's really great. I just don't want like an Armagnac prune. You know? Oh my God, I want an Armagnac prune <laughs> so badly. You have no idea how good that sounds to me on top of rice pudding or in it. Forget <laughs> it. So we are the same in that we see the value in the dish of rice pudding. It, we feel that it, it, it deserves to be on the podium. It is one of rice's great contributions. Oh, yeah. But perhaps our finishers is where <laughs> we Maybe take a we... different path of pudding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A different path of pudding. The passage of pudding. So uh, if you liked Rice 3.0, mm-hmm. I, you know, all of your letters of support, yep. your emails, your tweets, yep. Meant a lot. your Tinder swipes, all of that is going to get us to 4.0. Yep. And I would, you should really reach out to Emma Wartzman directly. <laughs> That's true. Um, <laughs> you can find her on Instagram, DM her, comment. Yep. 
Emil and I are buoyed by the support, and Emma is is really the decision maker here. Yeah. So just um, kind of work those comments out accordingly. Yeah. And if we can't figure out a way to, to kind of ram a Rice 4.0 <laughs> through the pipeline in the next couple of months, look for a Patreon. We're going to start our own podcast. That's correct. That's You heard it here first, folks. How hard could it be? There's so many podcasts. The Rice Cateers. Yeah, there's so many podcasts. How come there isn't our podcast about rice? I mean, there kind of is. Uh, it just, you know. It's trapped inside another podcast. As we said at the beginning of, at the top of the hour mm-hmm. here, it yeah. takes time. It's like an alien with a little aliens inside <laughs> the person that it just bursts. It doesn't have to burst out so violently. No. But it could. It might. It might. It might. You just don't know. gooey and screaming and clawing. Yeah. We don't want that. Rice 4.0, the uprising. <laughs> <laughs> This was great. I hope we're, the rest of your day is just on the ups. Carla, I think it's kind of all downhill from here, <laughs> probably, to be honest. But, you know. Kanji for dinner. May the rice be with you. The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced by Carrie Polis and Christina Che and produced and edited by Emma Wartsman. Our theme music is by Nathaniel Wartsman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.